I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The massive Dixie Fire is less than 50% contained and has burned more than 700,000 acres, including nearly half of Lassen Volcanic National Park. PG&E has said that blown fuses on one of its utility poles may be to blame. Already, the utility company has been linked to some of California's most destructive and deadliest wildfires, including one that happened six years ago, the 2015 Butte Fire. But the victims of that fire, caused by a fallen PG&E power line in the Sierra Nevada foothills, they're still waiting to be compensated for the damage and trauma they've endured, from property loss, personal injury, and wrongful death. Butte fire victims have been waiting the longest to be paid by PG&E, and they are among 70,000 people from past fires who have yet to receive their full compensation from the company. How much they'll actually get may depend on the company's role in the current Dixie fire. Why? Because the money available to past fire victims is tied up in shares of PG&E stock. PG&E has tried to restore its reputation this fire season. The company recently announced plans to bury thousands of miles of power lines in the years ahead, but its stock price has struggled, most recently thanks to the Dixie Fire. Chronicle reporter J.D. Morris is here to explain why that could leave thousands of people waiting for their compensation. J.D., thanks for joining me. Let's start with the most obvious question. Why have past fire victims had to wait for as long as six years to be paid by PG&E? The oldest fire is the 2015 Butte Fire, which burned in the Sierra foothills of Calaveras and Amador counties. The community of Mountain Ranch was hit particularly hard by that fire. Um, So so those are the people that have been waiting for six years to be paid. Um, What happened was uh, PG&E did start to pay um, a number of victims from that fire, but then um, those payments stopped when the company filed for bankruptcy in January 2019 in order to resolve um, all of its debts from, you know, not only the Butte fire, but especially the the campfire that burned Paradise down in November 2018 mm-hmm. and the 2017 Wine Country fires. So all of PG&E's, you know, liabilities from those major fires um, were resolved through bankruptcy. The company's bankruptcy um, concluded um, last summer and um you know and that established this independent trust that was supposed to be have about 13.5 billion dollars to pay out to about 70,000 um victims of those fires going all the way back to 2015 and how have people been getting by it's been 6 years you've you talked to some of these people who've lost their homes in the Butte fire and the campfire what has it been like for them waiting for these PG&E payouts? Well, um, you know, I think the experiences vary. Um, there are people who were affected by the Butte fire back in 2015 who are still living in um, trailers on their burned properties, um, like camping trailers. Um, and we, we do know, you know, there have been um, other stories about, um, you know, folks up um in in paradise and in, in butte county who um who are still living in trailers um and in you know pretty dire conditions um up there um so it, it's hard for a lot of people to get by absolutely um you know some people 
um, will have gotten, you know, money from their um, insurance companies, um, you know, since the fires. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of folks, um, for, for a lot of folks, the, anything they got from their insurance company, if they got anything at all, you know, may not have been um, sufficient. A lot of people are um, underinsured or um, or just uninsured. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned PG&E's bankruptcy has affected the way these compensations can be paid out. One question that I'm wondering is, why was the compensation tied to PG&E's stock price to begin with? That seems a little bit short-sighted. <laughs> so that is... Um, the $13.5 billion question, I suppose. Um, it uh, it was very controversial at the time among fire victims. Um, this is where it starts to get really complicated, but a lot of it has to do with um, just the way that a Chapter 11 bankruptcy reorganization works and um, you know who is legally entitled to be paid and in what order. Um, so PG&E, um, you know, had to resolve debts, um, with, uh, insurers, um, you know, and, and, and other things, um, first. And so there were, there were other settlements made with, um, you know, insurance companies and such. And, um, by the time, you know, PG&E got around to being able to get to a point where it was able to, pay, uh, you know, to, to come up with a settlement to pay the fire victims, you know, there was a finite amount of, of money on the table. And of course, I, I, I mean, this is what they would say, right? I'm not, uh, this is, this is the argument that mm-hmm. is, um, is used to justify the deal that was reached. Um, but yeah, half, you know, of the $13.5 billion settlement, it was supposed to be, um, half cash and half stock. And what, attorneys for fire victims who brokered that deal what they you know have consistently told me is that that was the most that they could squeeze from pg&e um without um you know uh without breaking the bank so to speak Mm. and there was a real concern that if they pushed um too hard that um, pg&e could have been forced into um liquidation which would have um dragged out the timeline even more but of course what we've seen is you know the the very fear that a lot of people had about that because uh, it wasn't really you know exactly half in stock it was a, a set it was a certain number of shares and um, what we're seeing is that you know right now PGD stock prices is, is down it's really um, struggled especially with the Dixie fire that you know may may have been caused by one of their power lines um, so that it's not actually it's it's about two billion dollars short. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. So it sounds like the ability for these fire victims to receive their payouts is tied to PG&E's reputation. Is that a correct way to assess that? Yeah, that it, it's, it's this weird situation where um you know the ability of victims of past fires to get paid you know everything that they're owed hinges to you know a very large extent on how pg&e performs on wall street now and that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable you know but i I would say also that a, a number of others you know including for like fire victims that I've spoken to or, 
are, are, are resigned to this, you know, knowing that it's, it's out of their hands and, you know, it's just going to be what it's going to be. But a lot of people are still pissed. So it's, you know, it's 70,000 people that we're talking about here. So there's a range of thoughts on the subject. 70,000 people, billions of dollars. This seems like a big undertaking of how to even do the payouts. Can, can you talk a little bit about the structure of how this process is taking place and why that might also be part of the challenge here? There, It's been recently reported that there's a trust that's in charge of paying out the money, but it's spent a lot of its budget on overhead. What is the infrastructure right. of this payout process? Yeah. So what PG&E did was they reached this, you know, it was supposed to be $13.5 billion settlement. And then they, when PG&E exited bankruptcy, it created this independent fire victim trust. But, you know, PG&E is not in control of this trust. It's run by um, uh, John Trotter and, and overseen by, um, you know, a, a committee of lawyers that represent fire victims. And, uh you know, that trust now, um, you know, since it was formed uh, last summer, has had to, like, set up this whole process for getting all of these people paid, um, which is, you know, a, a big reason why they say, you know, it, it hasn't gone as fast as, you know, maybe a lot of people um, would have liked. So they had to hire, like, more than 300 people um, to staff this trust. And, you know, they had to uh, create a whole set up a whole process to like get people paid and, you know, to just to evaluate all of these claims, because you've got 70,000 people with, you know, a, a wide range of claims that require like varying levels of like expertise to sort of assess and, you know, vet. So in February, um, you know, every, all of these people had to turn in claims questionnaires. And what they told me was that, um, uh, you know, like 60% of the claims have some deficiency, like some problem that needs to be corrected, whether it's, you know, a missing tax identification number or, you know, a scan copy of the death certificate or a marriage license or, you know, something like that. And uh, it can take a lot of time to um, to fix those errors. And of course, now as we're in this year's fire season, we know that this is are normal for our state, and there will be more wildfires to come. Uh, what will happen to the victims of the current fire season and future future fires? Well, um, if the source is you know a utility infrastructure, California, you know, responding to the PG&E bankruptcy created like a twenty one billion dollar estimated uh, fund through this law called AB 1054 and victims of that era, you know, of fires can possibly get um, money from, from that fund. PG&E though also has insurance. Mm -hmm. The PG&E has to buy wildfire insurance. So like with the, um, the Zog fire and the Kincaid fire that were also caused by PG&E, both of those were after um, the bankruptcy filing. So they weren't part of the bankruptcy deal, but I believe, I believe PG&E has enough insurance money to pay for victims of those fires. So that may be the case, but I, I think with Dixie, um, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where it's uh, pretty destructive. So um, we might see that fund used for the first time, but I, I don't know yet. 
So California passed a law to protect future victims of fires caused by PG&E to make sure that they're compensated fully. Does that mean new victims will get full compensation before these victims of previous fires? It could. Um, it, it, it certainly raises the prospect. But in terms of like how much and like whether they're paid in full, um, you know, the idea that like Dixie fire victims could possibly get complete payment while, you know, p- victims of past fires get like 50, get, get like half of what they're owed. Um, that is like a big concern mm-hmm. for um, John Trotter, who runs the trust. So he told me um, that he is trying to like work with, um, you know, the attorney general's office and the state legislature to see if there's any more, you know, funds that they can, you know, provide somehow for fire victims. But that it is like way too early to say, but it is a concern on people's minds right now. Because it's going to take time to assess what the damage is of this fire season caused by PG&E, how could this current fire season potentially impact payments for previous fire victims of years past? PG&E's, you know, behavior this fire season, like, can and is having a direct effect on, you know, the value of their stock. Um, If they don't, you know, convince Wall Street that their shares should be traded at a higher price, then it's going to, you know, the stock side of the victim's trust is not going to have as much money as it would hope, but if you know PG&E can get its act together a bit more, and maybe maybe their stock price will um, increase in the coming months, and that would in turn um, make you know the, the shares owned by the um, trust uh, would make them worth more money, so they can sell it at a higher price, um, and that would address some of this um, roughly two billion. It's like more than two billion dollar shortfall that exists right now. What now for these people who are 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 waiting? What are what's next for them? Is it just a long waiting game that they've been in for so long and they're just resigned to it, like you mentioned? Everyone is getting, I think I mentioned earlier, um, it's called a pro rata payment, but it's thirty um, percent of your claim. And what um, the trustee John Trotter told me is that you know he hopes later this year, I think, to be able to, uh, you know, move move it up from thirty percent to fifty percent, um, so the initial like money that they get from the trust should not be the last payment that they get. Um, right. And but the pace of those is, is you know picking up; they're increasing all the time. So I think you know in in the months ahead, we'll start to see a lot more fire victims getting paid. Hopefully, hopefully. It still sounds like a, a long and painful process, and I appreciate you talking to me about it. Thank you for having me. J.D. Morris covers energy and climate change for The Chronicle. You can find his story about fire victims still waiting to be paid by PG&E online now at sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. For ongoing wildfire coverage from The Chronicle, visit sfchronicle.com slash wildfires. Our up-to-date interactive fire tracker is at sfchronicle.com slash fire map. Be sure to also check out The Chronicle's drought tracker, which keeps its eye on water shortages, reservoir levels, and restrictions across the Bay Area. That's at sfchronicle.com slash water. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening.